world is not a wish-granting factory, Kristen. I was telling her how two lines in this movie stick out my brain so much. Um, and one of them that sticks out the most is the world is not a wish-granting factory, but I never think of it for, like, true injustices in the world. It's always like, I want a can of soup, and I look <laughs> in the cabinet, and there's no soup. And then I think to myself, the world is not a wish-granting factory. <laughs> and that's it. Like, these kids are going through this horrible, <laughs> life-changing, life-ending thing, and I'm thinking about soup. <laughs> We all have our own struggles. But then I find a can of soup, and I'm on a roller coaster ride that only goes up, my friends. Catching up, David. This is episode 17, The Fault in Our Stars. Hi, Hallie. Hi, David. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Some facts about The Fault in Our Stars. It's a 2014 romantic drama film, which as I was thinking about it, I don't know how many romantic drama films I've actually ever seen in my life. I've seen like quite a few rom-coms, but this may have been actually my first romantic drama in a, at least a very long time. Congratulations. Yeah. Next, you can watch Five Feet Apart. Okay. I don't know what that is. It's a good one. It has Cole Sprouse. I was going to ask, is that the one with Cole Sprouse? Yeah, it is. All right. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Speaking of people who I don't know who they are, this movie stars Shailene Woodley and Ansel Elgort with Laura Dern, Sam Trammell, Nat Wolf, and Willem Dafoe. I would like to interject and say that David didn't know who Laura Dern was. I guess he didn't. In hindsight, I guess I should have known who you Laura Dern known was. Who Laura Dern is. But I, I didn't. I didn't. I saw Jurassic Park. I know. I know that. Did you? I, as a child. You should have recognized her. I should have. Laura Dern is just Laura Dern in everything that she's in. Yeah, that's what I've heard from them as they were berating <laughs> me after watching this movie. Um, but I didn't know who she was. I I know Willem Dafoe in theory, but I don't think I would have recognized him if Kristen hadn't mentioned it, like, as soon as he came on the screen. So, a big, big O for 6 this week. And see, I was convinced. That, those were the names I wrote down in my phone when we put this movie that I was like, there are two people that I believe you will know in this movie. Yeah. And no. No. Just... Did you not know Ansel Elgort? Did you see that movie Baby I, Driver? I have seen Baby Driver. He is, is he the, he's the, the main guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you have did I he look familiar to you not, at all? Not at all. He he looked familiar as somebody that I went to grad school with. <laughs> <laughs> but no. I I would not have put those two together. But in hindsight, yeah, he was he yeah, was in that Baby he's Driver the same movie. Person. Yeah. I wasn't a huge Baby Driver fan. I didn't see it. So I didn't, I don't know, I don't think about that movie very often. You're wrong. It was like, it was like fine. It was great. I mean, if I wanted to watch a music video, I would watch a music video. It's not a music video, and I know because I don't like music videos. It, like, hardly at all. 
What? I can't. I can't watch them. Why? I don't know. They're so fun. I don't know. Have you seen the music video for Paranoid by the Jonas no. Brothers? Because that's a hoot. I have not. <laughs> anyway, I don't feel like Baby Driver was one big music video. There's a there's a lot of music and a lot of fancy driving yeah, to the music. Yeah, but like. Like you do in a, in a music video. Like you do in some music videos. Why but that's don't also you like... action. Just action movies sometimes have action that is timed to the music. Why don't you like music videos? I just like... So you didn't just I like don't... watch VH1 growing no, up? No. Oh my god. I don't want a video to explain to me what's happening in the song. If it's in a movie, it's fine because it's part of a larger context. And it's in a story. But I don't like watching... Just I don't think the purpose of the music video. video is to explain what's happening in the song. Sometimes though. it does, and sometimes it's it just does. like for funsies. Like Halsey had a song out called "You Should Be Sad," and she dressed like famous um, female music stars. But like, I don't get anything extra out of watching the video than I do from listening to the song. So like pleasure. Yeah, I don't get like, any. I don't get any like, additional like pleasure. Like the pure pleasure of watching cars to music art, art while music is playing. Yeah. Okay. They're different. They're different. That's very weird. Now animatics are fun, which I recognize are just music videos, but animated. I like those. Okay. Those are fun. I mean, some of them are music videos, some are dialogue, but that's very weird, and I hate it. Among all the other things I've been told that many you. times in my life, so that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, Baby Driver's great. Fault in our stars. <laughs> Baby Driver's great, and therefore it can't be a music video. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on the best-selling YA novel by John Green. The film opened at number one in the box office and was generally a critical success as well, with critics especially praising Woodley's performance and the chemistry between her and Elgort. I want more opportunities to say Ansel Elgort. Create them. Elgort. Total sidebar, but Maggie once raced John Green. Oh, Maggie's Stiefotter? Stiefotter. Stiefotter? Was it yeah. to music? No. Okay. Who's that? She's like one of my favorite authors. And her and John Green once raced, like a car race. Like, like in go-karts? No, in car cars. Oh. Because Maggie likes cars, and she's like, let's race! And that's what you do. You just challenge people to races. Yeah. And, yeah, all that's right. That's what young adult authors do. They just challenge each other to races. Did she that drive a Camaro? She did not drive a Camaro. That's disappointing. Because those aren't fast cars. Actually, I know nothing about cars. Maybe they are. She drove her... One car that used to be yellow and black, and then for a while was many different colors, and maybe is now back to yellow and black. <laughs> she tweeted about it today. Great. We can cut this all out. Maggie wrote The Raven Boys oh, for context. Okay. That's why you're on a first name basis with her. That's why me and Maggie were like this. I see. Who won the race? Uh, Maggie did. Yeah, that's, that's right. I would be very, very surprised if John Green won that race. Yeah. Carry on. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, The Fault in Our Stars follows Hazel Grace Lancaster, a 16-year-old girl who suffers from thyroid and lung cancer. After her parents insist she joins a support group at the local church, she meets Augustus Waters, a confident and charming 18-year-old former basketball player who lost a leg to cancer. Augustus immediately falls for Hazel and, while holding a metaphorical cigarette in his teeth, asks her out. 
They swap favorite books, and Augustus is quite taken with Hazel's, a novel called An Imperial Affliction, which is also about cancer. As the two grow closer, Augustus uses his Make-A-Wish Foundation wish to go with Hazel to Amsterdam to meet the novel's reclusive author and find some closure on the book's ending, which goes... let's, let's say not great. A blind best friend, a funeral for the living, and a makeout session in the Anne Frank house, The Fault in Our Stars. You got something wrong, and I need to correct it. Okay, what did he was holding a real cigarette in his teeth when he asked her out. But the, the fact that is it wasn't lit is the metaphor, but the cigarette is very real. Okay. I know because it makes me. Been what corrected. If it was such a good metaphorical cigarette no. that you bought that it was real, even when it wasn't. Like he just he just was holding his hands with yeah. his fingers apart. And you're like, that's There's it, Augustus. <laughs> There's a cigarette. Yeah, it's like the it's like her Janice William Peep shirt. Yeah. This is not a pipe. That was not a cigarette. But it was. Why was does it? it why does it bother you? I don't know. <laughs> just like it's Pretentious. Yes, that's the word I'm looking. It's pretentious, and it's like, ask me about my unlit cigarette, and if it's a personal meaning to you, fine. But like, but he's 18, and that's what 18 year olds do. I mean, they do yeah, they're to pretentious. Be like, and they're like, hmm. ask me about this thing. Well, I don't so care, deep. but it's fine. So it felt in character, especially because he had his whole like, I want to be remembered kind of a thing, and that kind of personality just veers towards grand statements i think so it's not necessarily that it's out of character and perhaps at 18 i would have been like wow that's so deep but i don't like to think about what i would have done at 18 (laughs) grand grand statements and pretentious affections yeah affectations not affections (laughs) just gonna be mad yeah yeah so seeing it for the first time i think i came pretty close with my prediction last week I don't remember it. I remember you saying, and the problem is cancer. <laughs> and that's it. That part was the right. Was this, was, this was your closest one. This was. This was not as close. far off as Hocus Pocus. Or B-movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I used to work, we all used to work at a library, incidentally, everybody. And so I was there when Turtles All the Way Down came out, which was John Green's, I think that's the title of it, yeah. the novel that was like right after Fault in Our Stars. It was not right after. I don't think it was. I don't know. We can't another one come out. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. It was shortly after, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard about both of the books at work. So I I didn't realize that like, both of them had cancer, but I knew a few things about... Turtles All the Way the Down book. also has cancer? I haven't read that one. Okay. Does it? No, Does I was it? Ta- I was talking about Fault in Our Stars. But you said both of them also had... Oh, both do you mean both characters? characters? Both, I meant no, both, both of the books. characters. Not both oh. of the books. No, no I, I have no clue what Turtles All the Way Down is. I don't either. But Mutual confusion. Yeah, so the, the movie combines a lot of tropes that sort of on their own felt like they were kind of stock. Like the asshole drunken writer, the Augustus keeping the secret from Hazel about his cancer coming back and saving it for like a big reveal moment later. The whole support group thing. But the individual scenes I thought were often like incredibly bizarre. I'm especially thinking about the the first kiss at the on Frank house, which was a scene that made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like the first kiss, like a fairly normal and expected thing in a coming of age romance story. 
especially while they're together on this fancy trip to Amsterdam. But, like, the whole scene starts with Hazel trying to be strong and make it up the stairs, which is incredibly difficult because of her weak lungs. And there are a billion stairs. Yeah. And, and they're a, very steep. A lot of really steep stairs. Meanwhile, they're with the author Van Houten's assistant, who's doing her best to just try and play tour guide after her boss was super shitty to them and keeps like pointing out historical artifacts along the way like this is the actual bookcase that protected the frog family which is this really sad piece of history that kind of gets glossed over like as we're paying attention to hazel it is like here it is <laughs> hey, bookshelf. and then they finally make it to the attic and augustus is like yeah we made it wow like yes they made it to one of the saddest places in modern history <laughs> and he's just so happy that they've made it all the way up the stairs because and then they Hazel made it up the stairs that's a big deal it is but like then there's like the kiss which is not a great place for a kiss and then there's like everyone applauding them okay the applause was bad the applause and Augustus was bad like takes a bow that's, that's no that that's was Augustus. worse that's pink <laughs> him though like it was the whole the whole thing for me be. was just like oh please just stop doing this <laughs> i had mixed feelings about the scene because on the one hand yes it's an inappropriate place but i also feel like anne frank would be really into it like, if she was like, teenagers are making out, like, where I wrote down all of my hopes and dreams and people have a better life now, like, that's yeah. great. I feel like Anne Frank would be into it. And she it's a well-known enough piece of history that, like, the glossing over isn't, like, glossing over something that isn't learned about as often, mm-hmm. like an indigenous tribe or, like, a Middle Eastern country. Mm-hmm. This is pretty prevalent history that we in the U.S. know Anne Frank. So it's not like they're covering up something else in favor of a teenage kiss. It's mm-hmm. something that we're expected mm-hmm. to know about and understand. And that, if anything, it also sort of cool. Like, again, I get that she's like just trying to play along and go with it even though Hazel is like, no, I can do this on my own, whatever. But I do like that she points out that that's the original bookcase because I don't know. I don't think I would have just known, like, hey, that's the original bookcase. So I learned something (laughs) while watching. And if I go, I can be like, hey, this is the original bookcase right here. And I was was trying to think, like, why? Because I was also like, is this the best place for it? Like, I, as a a person, Uh no, would never. But as a writer, I was like, why would you have a first kiss be here? And I was like, maybe it feeds into the whole, like, they both know they're going to die and they have a ticking clock but they're choosing to live anyway for mm-hmm. like the short amount of time they have left which is in keeping with Anne Frank's story and themes yeah so it doesn't not quite work it doesn't quite work for me it's just this weird middle ground where I'm like I get the intent and I can appreciate it I also don't like it that much but a lot of that might just be subjectivity on my part i was about to say where else would they go but i'm sure amsterdam has plenty of places to go so ignore that they 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 make out a bit on that that bench by the river a regular art you're gonna go to the van gogh place weren't they yeah that was mentioned that was mentioned after the fact yeah but that's like still in amsterdam a place they could have gone that was on laura dern's mind that was not 
on. Well, no, but is from a writing the perspective, one. they could have just switched it and had Laura Dern say, "Do you want to go to the Anne Frank house before we go?" Maybe it's all about filming locations. And there's no deeper meaning. It's just that the Anne Frank house was like, "Yeah, we'll let you film your teeny bopper movie felt, here." It felt a little bit like John Green had been to Amsterdam and was like, "This place is great. I'm going to put the novel here." That's fair. Why not? Yeah, no, Sounds I just, cool. nothing, nothing against that. But it did sort of feel like of the places that they could go, Amsterdam was just like, yeah. That's right, where the author not? was. Yeah, the author's there. Yeah. I mean, it's no less arbitrary than Paris would be, or London, or like literally any other location. So Amsterdam. Yeah. Amsterdam. I wasn't like making an issue of it. Oh. Yeah. No, I think you were. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, other scenes that struck me as like being a little bit bizarre included egging Monica's car with Isaac, who's <laughs> blind and just sort of wings the eggs randomly at the house. It's a metaphor. Is it a metaphor? I don't know. It's not necessarily a metaphor, but he's mad and he feels probably like things have been taken from him. His girlfriend dumped him and then he lost his sight. So even though he's blind and can't see what he's doing, like, yeah. Go egg your house. Yeah. Is that how you should handle things? No, don't egg people's houses or cars. But, you know. Or maybe do. Or maybe do, but like, no. I don't know. I mean, go for it. I'd be, I don't know, I'd be upset if they were like, we could go egg their car. Oh, no way, Kristen, you're blind. You can't do that. I'd be like, I can still throw. Just show me where, not show me. Direct my body to where? I mean, it kind of felt like they didn't even ask him if he wanted to, though, because he was like, I smell eggs, which do not have a scent from the carton. No. Correct. But fine. That's just so, what Augustus Waters does, though. I, I know. I just... Yeah. I know. Also, a lot of time had passed since the breakup, hadn't it? He was still he was still feeling it. I mean, I'm sure he was. Yeah. It just... At least a month, because he lost his eyes very early on-ish. Yeah. I guess we don't know exactly when. Because he said the procedure was coming, but they became mm -hmm. friends, and then Monica broke up with him right before the procedure. And then Augustus said that they were going to go to Amsterdam, and he said, we leave in a month. So at least a month had passed. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not that long. It felt like... I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, there were a lot of things that felt like they belonged in teen movies, but there was this twist on them that made them very strange like the first kiss but we're at this sad historical site or you know young kid ruffians throwing eggs at a house but one of them is blind i appreciate i appreciated it yeah i have nothing against ya it's just usually like not my thing but i appreciated how weird this one was and i liked it a lot more than i thought i would that's kind of why i like why contemporary things people make jokes about it where they talk about like spinning a wheel and being like this girl with blue hair spins wheel is obsessed with old notebooks that have been donated to goodwill and does this hobby spins wheel and it's another like random thing didn't john green reply to that and say yeah. 10 out of 10 would be burned again yeah yeah john green's a sport <laughs> he's a good sport but i like it because like they know they're being ridiculous Maybe not necessarily being ridiculous, air quotes, but they're leaning into it because why have just Deborah, who's an accountant, if you can have girl with blue hair who collects old abandoned notebooks at Goodwill and does all these other things? I don't know. I think it's fun. 
They do weird things. Big fan of YA. That's like all I read. Not into Deborah the Accountant fiction. Oh God, no. It's not my brand. That's my that's my trouble with um, mystery novels. I feel like most of the ones I pick up, it's forty four year old recently divorced Deborah is opening up a coffee shop. Probably falls in love with a city councilman that's named reason. Ted, and someone is murdered on opening day. You aren't wrong. Yeah. If it's Mary Higgins Clark, all the characters will be wearing attractive pantsuits and slacks. But that's nice, at least. The holiday book I read, the first one, she was going on about how she felt uncomfortable wearing her dress because her shoulders were revealed. And so she had to grab a cardigan. And I was like, oh my god, I can't live like this. Unless it's a plot point, nobody cares. No, (laughs) No. Nobody cares. It meant nothing. Actually, the cardigan did end up meaning something. So hmm, I'll give it that, I guess. Mm. But you could have just been like, it's chilly and it's a sleeveless dress. I'll grab a cardigan. I don't know, it was a very middle-aged woman to be like, is shoulder too much skin? I'm like, no, you're fine. Deborah. I feel like if you're okay with teenagers being really extra, you should be okay with older people. Being yeah, but they're being extra. like... But you're annoyed Conservative by... extra. <laughs> it's not as fun. Teenagers, teenagers being extra are like, we're going to make out in the Anne Frank house. <laughs> Old people being extra are like, I'm going to get a cardigan. Yeah, I'm going to get a cardigan. (laughs) And that's it. And I hate it. Carry on. Yeah. What else? I had some other scenes listed, but they're whatever. Wait, I want to know at least one more. Okay. The scene where Isaac goes berserk and is destroying all of Augustus' trophies. I knew you were going to mention this one. While Augustus and Hazel are just like trying to have a conversation in the foreground. Yeah. That was that was weird. I liked it. And yeah. then and then at the end when Van Houten shows up at the funeral in a white suit, which I legitimately thought was Hazel having a weird hallucination. I did too. Yeah. And then I waited for the movie to like deny it. Be like, no, that's her grief. He's not there. He's like to like do like a like a sunbeam or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't happen and I was okay, but the rest of the service is happening. And I appreciate that she keeps looking back, too, to be like, I, what? Yeah. And then it got in our car, and I was like, oh, this is... Yeah, I think I think even the stuff in the car was also... I, like, up until the paper at the end, when Isaac is like, actually, Gus was going to give you a letter or whatever through Van Houten, and, like, the letter wound up being real, I think that was the point. It's like, oh, all of that yeah. actually really did happen. Because even in the car, like, that scene was incredibly bizarre. Like, he just got in her car. <laughs> yeah, but he's a weird guy. He is a weird guy. I couldn't I couldn't make out whether I liked him as a character. No. Or not. But, like, but like as a... Obviously, he's a bad person. Yeah. But I, I couldn't figure out whether I even liked the way that John Green wrote him slash the movie adapted him. I like that he wasn't redeemed in the end. I like that he still tried to like be like, have you ever done this or listened to this or whatever it is he was going to say? And Hazel was like, no, get out of my car. And he's like, I'm trying to prove a point. And she's like, get out of my car. I don't know. I like that. I also really appreciate that. But I felt like I didn't know why he had agreed to come back to help Augustus. Oh, if he was still sense. as shitty as he was before. Maybe his assistant, whose name I don't know how to say. Lidavi. 
Liedewein. I listened, Maybe she just like guilted him. I listened it. to a Dutch girl on YouTube <laughs> pronounce it several <laughs> times so I could say. Liedewein. Yeah, Liedewein. It's spelled. That's a fun name. Yeah, it's spelled L-I-D-E-W-I-J. Liedewein. I would not have pronounced Levi. it the way that it's pronounced. I would have been like, Liedewinge. Liedewinge. Liedewein American awfulness. And then Letta Widge comes over. Yeah. <laughs> then I see the movie and they're like, Letta Vi. Oh. Yeah. It sounds like a lemon wedge. <laughs> yeah. That was her nickname at school. <laughs> she wore a lot of yellow. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And maybe she did, but if she did, that's a scene that we should have seen as the audience to understand that's what happened. Also, it still is entertaining to me thinking about it now. On why I said still because it just occurred to me. But the letter was just a printed out email, so it flew all the way from Amsterdam to Indiana. Which, by the way, the movie began with her being like in the winter of my seventeenth year or something, and I'm like. This is not an Indiana winter. Maybe if you're southern Indiana, shut up. But he flew from Amsterdam all the way to Indiana to give her a printed out Gmail email. I love that the Gmail logo was so prevalent. It was the first thing I saw. Like, could have just forwarded that. Then, like, he wanted you to have this one click away. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to, like, go to Gary far more likely to look at it too if it came as an email attachment from like somebody who wasn't Peter Van Houten instead of Peter Van Houten in the flesh. Yeah, especially if it said like Augustus Waters. Yeah, like she would have been like She would have been like what? So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think he was trying to make up for him? I think he was trying to do his version of making up for it. Maybe he was trying to like be better and be like ah, I owe it to them. And then gets in the car and is like, but by the way, did I tell you about this other thing? Because he can't help being the awful person that he is. He opened up about his daughter, which I felt like was his way of... That's probably why. Oh, that's probably why he came back. Because she died of cancer. Yeah. And so even though they were both sick, maybe once Augustus actually died, it was like, oh. He still isn't redeemed enough for me to believe that's in character for him at this point, though. Because he didn't act redeemed enough. Yeah. And she called him out. And kicked him out and the movie didn't give us like a convincing reason for him to stay or anything so i just i just thought he was like too much of an asshole he was too brash yeah okay i don't know for my taste i think if anything i was just sort of disappointed that he was the cliched drunken reclusive writer like him showing up at the end I do like that he wasn't redeemed, and like while they were in Amsterdam, he sort of made their meeting all about himself in a really obnoxious way. And then he came over and tried to apologize, but also by making it all about himself yeah. in a really obnoxious way, which, like from a character perspective, I think was a good move. And mm-hmm. like especially, I, I appreciated Hazel's reaction to it, where she was just like, "Get out! Just yeah. go! Why are you here? Just leave me alone!" And wasn't open to trying to forgive him or anything at mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah, I appreciated that. A lot of a lot of weird things going on, which I appreciated. Like 
I guess I wasn't surprised by any of the larger arcs of the story. Everything felt pretty much as if I could have predicted it, but the individual smaller scenes were really crazy. And I think that I enjoyed that about the movie, that these weird things would happen while in the structure of something that I was pretty familiar with. I liked it because even though you do have like the weird, crazier things, and like the Manic Pixie Dream Boy, you still have just like this author that they really liked. And so Augustus trying to impress this girl he likes is like, I'm going to email him. And then he got a response. And then they're just reading it over the phone. And he's like, I already forwarded it to you. It just seems like such a genuine human and teen moment that I think if you didn't have those, it would be easier to write off this movie Mm -hmm. as like ridiculous characters and making out in the Anne Frank house. What's that? All these other things. But I think the smaller bits, even though they were crazier, Sometimes, like, Isaac just destroying the trophies. I still think that was, like, I don't know, just... It it was a good human moment. I agree. Humans are weird. Humans are weird. I was a little surprised at how much of a role the novel and Van Houten played in the I was, too. I was was admittedly annoyed at first when he had reached Van Houten because I was like, come on, really? But he had made a point of getting in touch with his assistant, and then later the assistant being a good person and trying to make Van Houten suck less became a real thing. It's like, oh, that makes, that checks out. That makes sense about why that happened. So I was no longer annoyed. And that's my unique viewpoint into that scenario. (laughs) No, I thought it was funny because I hadn't even noticed at the very beginning of the movie when she's sitting at the coffee shop that she's reading an Imperial Affliction. Mm -hmm. And then you commented on the title. And I was like, oh, wow, she is reading that. That's funny because... It's a whole thing in the movie. <laughs> Assumed Just you wait. the title, it was a very dense nonfiction book about imperialism and its horrors. Yeah. No. And that was why... You did not expect Sisyphus the Hamster. I did not expect Sisyphus the Hamster. <laughs> and the Dutch Tulip Man. You did not expect And Anne's either. mother. No. None of them. No. I took it off of the outline, but I was having this brief moment of wondering how much of the movie was all Levi's fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, she, if she had just, like, not responded to Augustus, like... It would have been like, yeah, I also tried to contact him. No luck. Yeah. The they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have wanted him going to Amsterdam and having that whole thing and, like, falling out of love with this book because the author is a terrible person. And then, like... They wouldn't have gone through the experience at the Anne Frank house that leads to them having their first kiss in the attic. And like, how much of this, how much of this could we all just place on Lita Vi? I, Relevant, really appreciated how he kind of apologized and was like, I hope I didn't ruin your trip in Amsterdam. And she was like, uh, fuck you, we had a wonderful trip. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was nice. Although yeah. I wondered when I saw it and when I read the movie, and I think every time I've seen it since, I'm like, why... Does he tell her in Amsterdam that his cancer is back and is everywhere? Like, I don't know, you're only there for four days. You already have had sort of a turbulent thing, even though she said that they had a great mm-hmm. trip. And like, oh, we have a couple of hours left. What better way to celebrate Amsterdam by crying on a bench about how your boyfriend's terminal cancer has returned? I don't know, it just seems like... Why didn't he wait until they were back and the fun of the trip was over? 
you know, it's a pretty big secret to carry around, I would imagine. He had already been carrying it around. He found out before she had the health scare that she had to go into the hospital, and then she came back out and then was avoiding him, and then found out they were going to Amsterdam. Yeah, but I mean... He had already been carrying it for so long. Why suddenly? Also, I'm mad because I remembered there was a scene where he was, like, trying to move, like, an elevator door. And he, like, struggled for a moment. And Laura Dern was like, you all right there, Gus? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And that was, like, the moment before he said it that I'm like, ah, well, there's there's the hint. There's the clue that something's up. And I remember, like, waiting for it for some reason. And I never saw the scene. Was it in there? And I just happened I to like look at my phone or something remember. while that was in it. I don't remember that either. Because that happened. <laughs> Why was that not? But I also have a scene in a movie that I remember happening and has never since appeared in a movie in that movie. But like I know what happened because that's a thing where I, I'm trying to remember if I read the book before I saw the movie, or if I read the book after. I don't know. But I remember thinking, either, if I hadn't read the book beforehand, after I had seen the movie, that that scene was like, oh, I should have seen it coming, that he was going to be the one who was sick. Or, having read the book, sitting in the theater, knowing, in case there are all these other audience members who don't know that he's the one who's going to die, that that should have been, like, their tipping point. And so, for whatever reason, that moment is always very clear in my brain, and I was waiting for it, and it didn't happen. Didn't happen. I don't. I don't remember that. It's possible that it's in there, but I don't remember it. Maybe it was like a weird deleted scene, but it was in the theater version. Why would it not be in the DVD? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. That's not relevant. Keep going. I forgot what I was saying. Um, I don't know if I would have chosen that specific time to tell my significant other no about my terminal cancer, but it time. also feels. Augustus, it's grand. It's it sucks. metaphorical because it's like the end of this wonderful time. We're on a bench by the water in scenic Amsterdam. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you this thing. Like that feels like a time Augustus I don't know. would choose to do it. I would be bummed. I'd be like, hey, remember all those fun things we did in Amsterdam? And then remember how you told me your terminal cancer was back? And then I felt very sad. I feel like that would just be a thing that stands out. Even though you can still have all the other positive, happy thoughts of everything that happened there. You're still also going to remember it with that moment that he told her that he was, like, definitely terminally ill. And I, why? Why not wait until the bath? I don't know. The pressure from keeping a secret like that, I'm sure, has to be pretty strong and like they were a lot closer now they had just this is like right after they had had sex for the first time all the more reason (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean we finally did it cancer's back like i just i I don't it wasn't they weren't having sex and then like cheering about it no but they were only there for like four days nobody clapped in that scene yeah but Like, they were only there four days instead of a week. Laura Dern said that. And the, like, I think this is a very subjective thing. I don't thing get that it. I hate it. Everything else in the movie, I can just be like, ah, weird Augustus ah. Waters. That's how it is. Quirky YA stuff. I mean, 
I enjoy it, but that one thing, I just, like, if I'm ever with someone and they're terminally ill, I don't want them to tell me while I'm on vacation. But if you were (laughs) writing somebody terminally ill telling their significant other, would you insert another scene where you're like, they're in the basement? Or would you, I'm going to write this into the last Amsterdam scene? No, I would do a later scene. I would probably do something, I don't know, this sounds dumb saying it now, but like... As a general, almost like, that trip was fun. Can't wait to do more mm. with you. <laughs> surprise! Yeah, but like, I'm tired. But, like, the surprise would be more naturally delivered right after can't wait to Yeah, we've more, just um, had the emotional high of them having sex for the first time. And now, like, that's like... Yeah, but they... Okay, the movie can cut it so that we still have that immediately after without showing that they're or without them still being in Amsterdam. The and next it scene bugs is back so to the US. Remember when we had sex in Amsterdam? That By was the really way. Great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. The, the, I can see why it would be placed there because it was an appropriate denouement and then rising action. Who's pretentious now? <laughs> it's me. I'm pretentious. I don't think I even used that word correctly. I just wanted to use it. I feel like at least once an episode, you guys say a word, and then I pull up my phone, and I look it up, so I know what you're talking about, and then I just set it back down, and I'm like, now I am part of this, until eventually either the subject changes, or you use another word I don't know. You're going to start carrying on some cigarettes? metaphorical ones let's talk about augustus a little bit more generally i think it's interesting that you refer to him as a male manic pixie dream girl yeah manic pixie dream boy yeah yeah that's what he is for sure i agree with that and it's kind of nice because i feel like for a long time the manic pixie dream blank character was manic pixie dream girl and then i feel like a lot of times the girl characters because society is the way it is got a lot of flack for it for being the manic pixie dream girl and it's like one it's just let them live their life or two the author chose to do this and that's fine let them live their life but i think it falls into another one of those like that's just how girls are they're wild so it's kind of nice to see it as like the manic pixie dream boy this time i don't know and then hazel sort of brought him back down i liked when he was like Oh, what did she say? Oh, he's like, I want to mean something. I want to, like, have purpose. I want to be remembered. And then she's like, one day we're all going to die, and everyone yeah. knows going to die. I like that she just brought him back down. And Oblivion I thought it was fun. is inevitable. Yeah. I like I thought that it was a, a fun exchange. And, I don't know, I like Augustus's optimism. And then I like that Hazel's kind of realistic. And I like that the roles were reversed from what I feel like they usually are. He... I don't want to say teaches her things, but she learns things from him. Yeah. Like, she gets to teach him, like, hey, people love you. You don't have to be remembered by everyone. That's dumb. And I feel like she gets a lot more energy and a lot more positivity from Mm -hmm. him. And I feel like her whole thing was worrying about what people were going to do when she was gone. Mm -hmm. And now that she now has to deal with someone she loves being gone and moving on and living her life as she can, she knows that it is possible for people who love her as well. So Mm -hmm. I like that it put her in that situation, especially after they had the whole conversation where he was like, it would be a privilege to have my heart broken by you. Mm -hmm. I really liked that line. 
Um, and how she said she had always hoped that he would be eulogizing her. And it was sad. So I think he was what she needed. And it was nice to give a woman what she needs instead of making a woman whose whole personality revolves around making a man's life better. Yeah. I was wondering how much of his personality you thought was authentic and how much of it was kind of like a brave face. Oh, a lot of it was a brave face, but I don't think that necessarily makes it not authentic. No. Because I feel like that is what he has been shaped by circumstance. His brave face yeah. is... Maybe authentic's not the right word. You know, he can choose to put on a brave face, mm-hmm. and that's how he rises to the occasion. Yeah. I think he probably always feels that way, and then he probably leans into it more at certain moments, and also because it's what people expect. It isn't necessarily a facade, but because that's who he is when he is feeling more scared, he can like put that up, sort of like well, pretending, he... but it's not... It still is just being him. He's just not... I don't know. I was going to say something, and then it went away from me. He had the scene in the car where he was at the gas station Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he wanted his cigarettes that he doesn't smoke. And where he was, like, crying and he had, like, broken down. I really liked that. Yeah. You know, it was very sad. But I liked that we saw the part of him that couldn't just be cheerful in the face of Mm -hmm. adversity. But But even then, I feel like it still was him being him. He was still trying, even though everything sucked. He was like, I wanted my cigarettes, so I could have this one thing. And even though he was upset, he still told Hazel, like, don't call the police. I want to handle this. Like, it just feels like something that Augustus, in any situation, would have done. Not necessarily just that one. I feel like if he didn't have cancer, well, if he didn't have cancer, but was, like, talking to Hazel about... He never really talks to Hazel about, like, live your best life. It's just, like, that's just a lesson that she learns from him. But it would be bad if he, from a writing perspective, if he didn't have cancer, then he'd be kind of an Mm. asshole telling somebody about an experience that he has no idea about. But if he didn't have cancer and this whole thing didn't happen, I feel like he would just have that attitude about things like, I failed a test, it's fine. You know, you just got to keep going. Mm -hmm. Or, like, uh, I didn't make the A string in basketball. It's whatever. I'll, I'll break this trophy. I kind of like get over it. Just, when they were standing I in the parking lot waiting for Laura Dern to come pick up Hazel. It was just like, want to watch a movie? And she's like, yeah, sure. Later this week we can do something. And he's like, no, I mean like right now. Like I probably would have re- reacted like Hazel and been like, um, what? Now? I don't know you. <laughs> You're a stranger. Yeah. But it seems very like on par for him and very like, live in the moment. I like you. I want to hang out with you. Let's watch a movie. And like, as an adult, I was like, okay, this could be cute if he phrased it differently. Like, if you're free now, I could do something. Like, that would be fine. But the way that he does it now is just very, like, I'm fun and spontaneous. Can you match how fun and spontaneous I am? And I'm like, no, what if I'm busy? What if I just want to wait till Thursday? Dates are hard. You have to think about them for days. Yeah. You have to prep yourself. And I but, didn't get the vibe that that's what he was trying to do. I think that's just how he is, but I don't think he was like, can no, you I know, match but it? Like, I think if Hazel had been like... No, I have a doctor's appointment. What no, I don't tomorrow? think he was intentionally doing that. I think he was. I think that's just the vibe that it rubbed me the wrong way. Some of the things he does rubbed me the wrong way. But he's also supposed to be eighteen and young, and it seems like it's his vibe. And a lot of the things about him that rubbed me the wrong way seemed like things he would eventually grow out of, or that things he just wouldn't like. 
Give an example. You wasted your wish on Disney World. Yeah, that would fuck you, Augustus. <laughs> like, come on, like that's you don't you don't get to tell her she wasted her wish on Disney World. So, if, but I feel like as an adult, it would be a lot more playful and a lot more like oh, eventually. Shoot. Oh, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I feel like if he had made it to twenty four, he would have been like, not how I would have spent my wish, but like you know, cool. You were excited. You had fun. Yeah. Good times. But he's pretentious 18-year-old yeah, Augustus that's Waters. Yeah, what he is. So I, I don't remember what my original point was, actually. I and I like, like him for it. I feel like I keep saying, no, like, like, he's pretentious and he's bad, but I still, like, you guys were heartless. But when they were doing the eulogy at his living funeral, I was just, like, sobbing. Not sobbing, but, like, in the theater I was sobbing, that's for sure. But... Tears were a coming down. I was trying to keep them back, and I couldn't because he's ridiculous, and you love him for it. I feel like at the at the start of the movie, and maybe at some points in the middle, it's almost like when a sun is shining too bright, and you're like, it's hot, it's bright, the sun is in my eyes, but then at the end of the movie, you're like, Augustus Waters, you were the sun. <laughs> maybe he wasn't the sun. That's just like the person I thought of. <laughs> I don't know. He I liked him. My, he wasn't like my son. No, he's not like if I could bring one YA boy <laughs> out of a novel and pick him, it's not going to be Augustus Waters. But I know. I feel like you appreciate Richard Campbell Gansey III. Maybe it might be Zachary Good. That's from a different book series. I gathered because you've never once mentioned Zachary Good. Listen out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> He was enjoyable. He was enjoyable. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. There were there were a lot of little things that spoke to a depth of character that I think sometimes sometimes I felt more than others because he is like living his best life throughout mm-hmm. so much of it. But like even the scene where he has Isaac break all of the basketball trophies he kind of brushes it off as like you know i've been trying to tell my dad that i'm not good in the basketball anymore Mm -hmm. but it felt like i don't know some of the love for that especially later when he's really shy about his leg Mm -hmm. as they're about to have sex like it, it felt like there were these little things that were kind of sprinkled throughout the movie that showed how deeply this thing had affected him Mm -hmm. that he was able to kind of move past or like joke about or you know handle in that sort of lighthearted way that um when i was thinking about it later because i didn't i didn't get the chance to rewatch this one this was a quick turnaround episode (laughs) usually i have a week in between but um as i was thinking about it afterwards and making the outline i was like oh i think i think there's really a lot more going on to this augustus and even then i wouldn't be surprised if either of the two things, like he truly wasn't that into basketball and maybe I, you could see his parents trying to like relive almost like the glory days, air quotes, and he's getting sick of it and use this as a genuine like, ah, oh, I've been trying to find a way to like tell my parents I'm not that into basketball. Or I could see it as, yeah, he likes the trophies. He doesn't dislike basketball. He doesn't care that much, but like he can tell that Isaac needs to break something and he's trying to just be a supportive friend. And he's like, yeah, here, go ahead. I don't yeah. think he like cares enough to obviously doesn't care enough to not have him break the trophy but i think either way you could see it as more of a layered thing like he is more upset about it than he lets on or he's just trying to be a good friend i got the impression that was more for isaac's benefit yeah well i think i think it's both though because one of 
Gus's big things is that he just wants to be remembered. Mm-hmm. And like what bigger symbol of being remembered is like an actual trophy on the mantelpiece, right? Mm-hmm. And having him, having Isaac break those is both like, he's definitely being a good friend because Isaac is really hurting at that moment. But like, something. yeah, I think, I think Augustus is sort of reconsidering how he wants people to think of him. And it's not just as being this like basketball star or whatever. He's got he's got bigger plans for himself mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Laura Dern and Hazel's parents kind of more broadly. I was especially interested in Hazel's dad, because we don't see him that much. But the one scene that we do see him in, it felt like he was trying to keep Hazel and Gus apart. There's that that scene where Hazel's, I think, getting ready or something, and it's just, like, the dad and Gus. And Gus is um, just trying to chit-chat with the dad, and the dad keeps, like, trying to steer him away from being with her, almost. I, yeah, that was... I think he was just trying to make Gus understand what he was signing up for. And that's a really hard thing to tell a teenager. That was also the first time he had met him because that was when he shook hands and everything. And so I think, you know, it's easy probably for him, even if he knows that Hazel met him through the support group. You couldn't see the prosthetic leg. We didn't know at the time that his cancer was back. I can imagine how in his eyes, again, he's like basketball star, just going to like keep going, has this big personality. And Hazel literally physically cannot keep up. And so I don't think it was a trying to like keep them apart. I think it was just a genuine like, you may have your expectations set here, but she physically cannot do that. So please keep that in mind. They were about to go on like a picnic, which yeah. involves walking possible hills. Yeah. Also keep in mind he was wearing the basketball jersey yeah. and jeans. So I don't think not a great look. He had a he had a plan. It was a very Augustus Waters plan, but not a great look. So I don't think it was the dad trying to keep them apart. I think it was him just being trying to be realistic about the whole thing. Okay. Not realistic in a keep them apart way, just a realistic in a, like, please be careful. This is my daughter. She's fragile. Why? And if that ended with keeping them apart, I think he would have thought that was for the best. Like, if mm-hmm. he gave Augustus the speech and Augustus said, whoa, man, you're right. I can't handle that. Yeah. Then I would have been like, good, weeded him out. Yeah. But I think that both parents really wanted her to make friends and do things besides mm-hmm. just... Sit stay at home, home all the time because mm-hmm. she got her GED online and yeah. she was taking like classes but they even showed her she would like read and go to coffee shops so mm-hmm. I think they probably were excited that she had a friend because she would hang out with Gus and Isaac so she got a couple people yeah two for the price of one two for the price of one yeah and I think it was it was just that moment because at least towards the end after he's gotten to know Gus a little bit better and after Gus dies the dad does seem to have, like come around to their relationship, or at least like when he's having that talk with Hazel and says something about like it was a privilege to love him or something mm-hmm. like that. Like I think he at least, even if he recognized the risks of their relationship, he's at least had time to figure out kind of to know what to say to Hazel about it. Where when he first met Gus, I'm I'm sure he had Hazel's best interests at heart mm-hmm. or thought he did, but. It did feel like he was kind of setting up some roadblocks mm-hmm. to to keep that from getting off the ground. But they'd already been hanging out for a while then. Like, you wouldn't, with someone you had just known for like two days, be like, hey, let's go to Amsterdam together. 
Well, well, so they'd right. already been like yeah. hanging out. Yeah. I don't think he was setting up roadblocks. Is all I was saying. I don't think he was like against their relationship. I think he was against Hazel getting hurt in any way. And if that happened to later present itself in the form of this relationship, then he would be against the relationship. But I think he was just against Hazel getting hurt and didn't want that to happen. But I don't think he was ever against it. Last thing I have is about Hazel's decision at the end not to read her eulogy for Gus and what you made of that. I remember when I watched it, I remember thinking, like, I got it, but also I had really liked her eulogy. And I'm like, I see what she's saying about how it's, like, funerals are for the living and their love story is theirs and other people don't have to know about that. So, like, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, but nothing you said was bad it was really nice and i really liked her little some infinities are bigger than other infinities because i remember when i first heard that i was very confused because i just didn't get it so i liked her mathematic explanation of it so i remember being bummed for the sake of the people who wouldn't get to hear it at the (laughs) funeral (laughs) these fictional people but also i do kind of like it because she got to say what she wanted to him while he was alive. And then she got to use that moment to sort of speak for everyone else or speak again, like for the living in a way. I don't know. Right before she got up to deliver the eulogy, the uh, priest man introduced her as Augustus's special friend. So I think she just read the room and was like, I'm going to go with like a really boring PG eulogy not that her eulogy was inappropriate in any way but like i can see while looking out of that specific crowd i would be more comfortable saying a general eulogy instead of pouring my heart out especially if gus has already heard it so what's the point he's the only one who needed to also i think i may be wrong but didn't she say something about infinities at peter van houten's house he said it. He said he it? He said it, yeah. Because, and it. then she references that in her eulogy. Yeah, she's like uh-huh. a writer that we used to like. Then Houghton was there, so it's possible that she just didn't want to read a eulogy that he was involved <laughs> in because she hates him. That's and possible. is mad at him. Maybe. That's possible. Yeah. It felt to me, while I was thinking about it, and maybe, maybe I don't stand by this now that I'm reading it again, but it, it felt a little bit like a kind of a small betrayal of Gus, which struck me as strange. Because Hazel's always seemed like the person that speaks her mind and sticks up for herself. Like, she sticks up for herself Mm -hmm. with Van Houten and with the doctors, Mm -hmm. and, like, she's really outspoken in that way. So to see her give in to the social pressure of saying just sort of the nice platitudes about Gus, it struck me a little bit strange. Though I do like the idea of eulogy as love letter, like this private thing that the two of them shared and I guess was sort of shared with Isaac because Isaac was there Mm -hmm. and Gus's was shared with Van Houten because he needed help writing it Mm -hmm. but that idea of this piece of writing that's just really private between two people who are deeply involved with each other I don't know I liked that idea but I was I was surprised that she didn't go through with it at the end it's it does still puzzle me and unsettle me a little bit but rather than it does kind of feel like a betrayal of Gus but in being a betrayal of Gus it also feels like Hazel taking a step to do something that she wants like in that moment she decides 
it's going to be easier for me to do this for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And by not factoring Gus into the equation because he is no longer there, she is learning that it is possible to move on without making your life about somebody who isn't there, which feeds into her arc worrying about people moving on afterwards. So it felt like a step that was maybe a little bit hurtful to Gus, but one that he would understand and be proud of. I think if she hadn't gotten to read the eulogy to him, she would if have. he was, yeah. you know, like a spirit floating yeah. around, one, I believe she would have read it. And then two, I believe that if he had, you know, been like a ghost hanging out and then saw that she had this written thing and then put it away and then said whatever thing mm-hmm. she just came up with on the spot, I think then he would have been offended. Yeah. But it would have been a different scenario. Then. He already got to hear it. It reminds me of this short story I read in middle school. And it was in one of those big textbooks with collected short stories that had, like, the discussion questions at the end, and I hated them. (laughs) And there was this one about a girl who goes out to dinner with her dad, who she doesn't see very often because her parents are divorced, and she is going to order, like, a burger and fries or something um, because her mom doesn't let her. But then she changes her order to waffles and cream soda. And one of the questions is, why does Lindsay change her order? And the fury that I felt of that question has never been equaled by any other discussion question because I was like, I don't fucking know. The, it, I don't know. The story doesn't say why she changed her order to waffles and cream soda. She just fucking wanted waffles and fucking cream soda. Like, I was so <laughs> angry. And this is, like, a significantly diluted version of that where I'm like, I don't know why she changed it, okay? Now as an adult, I can look back and be like, oh... I think it's because it's what she wants instead of what she can do even though her mom isn't there. But that story is not important because it is not the fault in our stars. And it's similar (laughs) to that. It's a thing that they wanted to do in the moment for them and for nobody else. Except that her choice was kind of inspired by everybody else because it was a social choice. I don't know. I don't know, man. But it's sort of like you said about how people going on after she died. I think maybe part of her was like, it sucks, but he's not here anymore. He got to hear this. Mm-hmm. The people who are still here, what we'll happens benefit. after you die, they benefit from me saying this. And it isn't, I don't think anything she said was like a lie. No. no. I'm sure everything she said was true. It just wasn't quite as. I also, it seems like, again, because it is like young adult and sort of niche interests, I could understand how. Because that Van Houten thing, even though they hated him, was sort of a shared experience that they had. Thinking, if I read this thing about how some infinities are bigger than other infinities, it's more of our thing. Other people may not get it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she cares that other people won't get it, but it won't have the same impact. She read it to Gus, and it meant something. And if she reads it here, it's just words at a funeral. Yeah, I I would... So I can see how it sort of feels like a betrayal, but also, I don't know, he already got to hear it. It's true. Already got to hear it. Already got to hear it. But I appreciate it. nice. The movie doesn't, like, spell it out. We don't get any monologue from Hazel, like, I decided not to read it. Because, because we do about, like, funerals are for the living, but, you know, yeah. that's not a direct explanation so much as, like, a Bullet thematic sentence. Yeah, like, it's it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I feel like we should talk more about Hazel, but I don't know what about. I think we mentioned we her not for other about things, Hazel but we haven't said Hazel, the main character. Thoughts? I thought Eileen Woodley was great. She did. She did yeah. do a good job. Did a good job. And 
I liked Hazel's character because, again, I like... She was never mean, but she was realistic. Like, even Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the movie when she says, you know, everyone wants the big stories to be like this and have a happy ending. But that's just not true. Sorry. And then goes into the story. I don't know. I like that she has a very grounded spin on things. Mm -hmm. And she seemed like a real character. Like a real person of a character. Not like, you know what I mean? She could be believable. Like, when she had, she texted him and then was waiting three days for him to text her back and just kept checking her phone, doing everything she did. I'm like, yeah, that happens. Respect. I don't know. I just, I liked her. Yeah. I sort of of liked how the movie handled text messages as well. Though I do sort of worry that, um, I had a professor who said something about how she believed that cell phones were, like, one of the worst things that happened to art. Great. Because now no one's ever out of contact and there's you've got to have like convoluted reasons like oh the phone wasn't working if like somebody goes missing or is lost and like everyone's too connected and that ruins a lot of plots <laughs> that ruins a lot of plots did you read that no, alone together that. novel is that what this is did i do what did you read that alone together book and that's what this no. is oh no because i took in my sophomore year of college my it was like an english class but it wasn't called english it was like ids something or other and we had to pick a theme and that one was wellness and social responsibility okay and i think the i think it was the third book we read it was one of the three i don't know if it was the last one that was called alone together and i don't remember the author's name but it was about how we are too connected now and i don't know if this is just me being a millennial who's like stop being mean to everything that we like and enjoy (laughs) like just give it a rest but i was i hated that book because she was like in paris with her daughter and her friend talked or texted her and i guess they normally live in boston or something and her friend said hey do you want to see a movie and her daughter said i can't i'm busy and the friend said okay and the mom was like her friend didn't even know she was in paris Like, like that's ridiculous and i'm like it does not matter. Like, oh my god. And she could just say, I can't. I'm busy. It's fine. And if anything, it, it, her friend reached out to her because she wanted to hang out with her. Yeah. And she said, do you want to go see a movie? And she didn't need some convoluted, oh, my phone was broke. Oh, this. She just said, I can't. I'm busy. And she responded. And that was it. But if she had posted, like, in Paris, then I'm sure the author would have been like, isn't it so sad how everybody knows we're in Paris? Like, yes! There is no pleasing these people. I hated that God. book. I was, like, the opposite of the devil's advocate in that book. Everyone kept being like, but don't you think she has a point? And no. I was like, no, she doesn't. Let me talk to people. Like, so I don't mean to be rude. <laughs> I mean, Ruin's, but... Ruin's plots is super funny. Like, oh, people have phones. Now I can't just, like, make somebody go missing for two days before somebody realizes. Like, yeah. that's kind of a unique problem that's funny and easily worked around by just setting your novel in the 1990s or Either something. Either set it in the 1990s or give them a good reason. Have right. them going on a hiking trip where, like, yeah, there's no cell service, so you don't expect to hear from them for a couple of days. Cruise ships, you go, no cell service there. Don't expect to hear from them for writers, a couple days. Writers write around life all the time to make things not plausible plausible. Like, it's it happens. You just have to deal with it. I love being able to use my phone to keep in contact 
on a daily basis with friends who do not live in Illinois. It's wonderful. <laughs> that that wasn't my point. I, <laughs> but, no, but now you've no. unleashed this. <laughs> it's happening. I wasn't, I wasn't arguing against like people using cell phones like, to communicate with their loved ones. <laughs> but no, if anything, I sort of How like. How dare she? I was. <laughs> I like it because. One of my favorite rom-coms has never been kissed, and every time, not every time I rewatch it, but lately when I rewatch it, I realize just how little the teacher is in it, and he's like the main love interest for her. And it's fine because the movie's about her, but it is also a rom-com, so like the romance is also the, like a needs, part of he it. He needs to be there for the romance to develop. And... Because he's a teacher, and even though she is 25, she's pretending to be a student, the only way they can interact is at school or something. And I know that having a phone does not change that circumstance at all. <laughs> but I feel like, for example, that movie, ignoring the whole teacher-student thing, is just that I realized after watching it how little interaction they actually had together. And so I feel like for a rom-com, it's nice that you can have the phone scenes and everything because you can still have them interacting with each other without them either constantly being together or just having them be doing something completely different. Like, I'm all for the main characters having their own lives. Not everything needs to be around yeah. the significant other. But it's nice that you can still have them doing things, even... When they're not immediately together. Do you see what I'm saying? Does I, that make yeah. sense? I am for it. I am for scenes where people text each other. David's because you can also do cute things and be like, the okay, and she says yeah, okay, and, and he's like, like, stop flirting with me. Like, that's cute. Like, flirting styles evolve with yeah. time and technology. Like, that's, that's a thing. People in the 50s hated how people in the... 70s flirted, I'm sure, because everybody hates everything the generations <laughs> behind them do. Like, it's fine. That's just how it is. That's how life works. I did, I'm so sorry. I, I just wanted to talk about I liked how the little text messages popped up on the screen. But then he said, so, what was the thing you said after that? Because he said a thing that made it sound more like. To be fair, he was standing his professor's opinion, not his own. And we just watched oh, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You were talking about, yeah, you were talking about how that book, and I had war flashbacks (laughs) to the book I had to read, and how I hated it, and I apologize. No, I also think it's fun, just because I was reading a thing about, this is dumb, but about how emojis used to be very simple, and they become more and more detailed as time goes on. Like, what used to just be, like, an apple now has, like, a shadow on it, and then, like, a little shine to be like, this is an apple, in case you couldn't tell before, you can tell now. And it was a really interesting article just talking about how language in general changes, even just with, like, emojis and stuff. And so, if anything, I think it's fun, because I also love the rom-com, He's Just Not That Into You. And Drew Barrymore has a whole thing where, like, he messaged me on this, so then I sent him a thing on my BlackBerry, and then he called me at work, so then I left a voicemail here, and talking about all the different technologies and how it's frustrating and annoying that there are so many ways to communicate with each other. But I feel like that movie... Was right at the turning point, almost yeah. before people just embraced that was all the stuff, and it was when before people had blackberries. Back when people had blackberries, <laughs> and it was before it became such a big thing. And I don't know. I like seeing how 
movies evolve and seeing how language in general evolves with the advancements in technology that does not have anything to do with the fault in our stars but i wanted to say it point made <laughs> text messages cute good keep them <laughs> i didn't like that someone sneaking up here to murder really badly they hate text messages in movies. It's my professor. Counterpoint. <laughs> Crawling. Yeah, for old. art. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about the next episode? Yeah. Okay. Margot is a young woman who isn't very nice. <laughs> As the new girl in school, she sets out to make friends the only way she knows how, heartlessly breaking people into submission. But Margot is moved by the plight of these new, weak-willed minions who follow her around everywhere, and after she sees how they constantly get picked on, she sets her sights on infiltrating the coolest, nastiest clique of girls in school. She decides to take them down the only way she knows how, by stealing the leader's boyfriend out from under her. But all of her plans go awry, and soon Margot and her posse learn the hard way just how cruel high school can be. That's right. Next week on Catching Up David, join us for Mean Girls, starring Lindsay Lohan, I think. It's like Heathers, but people have actually seen this one. <laughs> mean Girls. Very mean excited. Girls. I'm surprised Everyone's that it has excited. taken us this long to get to Mean Girls. Yeah, we reference too. it all the time. Yeah, we were talking about this... I think even before we were having a podcast. <laughs> so Probably. the fact that it's now episode... How did you come up with the name Margot? Yeah. Just out of curiosity. The names are always pretty random. It just Except for Holly and Polly. It <laughs> <laughs> just, just felt right. It felt right. Margot with a T or no T? O-T. What? O-T? Oh, I said with a T or a no T. Oh. And then you were like, O-T. <laughs> Margut? <laughs> Margut. Lidavai. Lidavai. That's the thing I'm most proud of. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it suck if you were like so proud of it and somebody messaged like, Somebody. hi, my name's Lidavai and you don't say it that way. Yeah. It's Lidavai. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how the Dutch girl on YouTube, it was a specifically Fault in Our Stars, like this is how you pronounce all the Dutch names in the book. Okay. I forgot to mention earlier in the podcast, you can cut this in, it's not that important, but I just thought that this movie was fun and part of the reason it went on the list, in my opinion, was because it had such a big Tumblr following and just generally like teen people, because I feel like for a long time we had things like Twilight, which is also on the list and we will get to, but you had more like fantasy stuff Mm -hmm. and so this breathe new life i guess not really it gave more like pop culture yes yeah, like, to these sorts of stories like the drama stuff and not just the fantasy stuff i would definitely agree with yeah. that john green is also like a personality yeah to the, this demographic and he's very popular and these quotes were everywhere all over yeah. tumblr okay there were a couple just as i was watching the movie i was like saw a billion of those saw a yep. billion of those Lots saw of those. a billion of those yeah, I knew that. I knew that this book was a really big deal. I just wasn't sure how that came about. It just everyone latched onto it. It's it was funny because working things. at the library, I remember some girl had put it on hold because it was popular, and I think people often 
forget when books are popular at the library that there are only a select number of copies and because it's popular other people have them and she went she had put it on hold hadn't gotten an email saying that it was in or anything just happened to be at the library checked it saw that it was on the shelf not under her name or number or anything and just grabbed the book and then someone went to check it out and it wasn't me and the employee was like um this is not under your name and she's like oh well i put it on hold and then they or they clarified that it was not for her excuse me and then they looked up what place she was in the hold list and she was like in the 50s or something (laughs) and i think that was when it hit her like oh it may be a while before i have this yeah so fun times yeah people not realizing how popular the popular thing is it's a fun, fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else anybody's got? Nope. All right. So until next time. We're on a roller coaster ride that only goes up, my friend. It's a quote from the movie. I know. <laughs> no, in case they didn't know. Oh, in case they're like, why is she ending it weirdly? Fine. Bye. Have a normal goodbye. <laughs>